Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of All the WrestleManias, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm your co-host, Rich Sigwald. Our episode today is all about WrestleMania 19 from way back in 2003. We think it's probably a so-so show with a few surprising highlights. We've got lots to get into, so hit the theme music, Rich. WrestleManias. We really hope you enjoyed our most recent episode on the 1985 Wrestling Classic. That was a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, that episode is up now on all the WrestleManias.podbean.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can check it out and let us know what you think by email at WrestleManiaBlog at gmail.com or on Twitter at WrestleManiaPod. We're super excited this time to have our first listener mail. Look at us. <laughs> get hype oh we got an email at wrestlemaniablog at gmail.com from kathy b in york pa who asked us for our take on brock lesnar versus roman reigns and the possible unification of the two major wwe titles at the next wrestlemania so we're actually going to postpone answering this fully as we're working on a preview episode for wrestlemania 38 Um, but i know rich did you have any take on whether those belts will actually be unified at 38 as the buzz seems to indicate i mean they need to do it and but i also think it would be quite monumental because it would be an end of a long era of like the brand split and the two different titles and i feel like it would kind of bring back a, a magnificence to the meaning of having the wwe world heavyweight title and not just either the heavyweight champion or the wwe champion and so I think that would be really good for also like the lineage because like the NWA old belt is in there and mm-hmm. the WCW belts in there. And so it'd be really nice to just have it all back to like, they are the world champion. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I'd like to see them do the same with the women's two titles actually too. You know, this is very, uh, fortuitous timing actually because this wrestlemania 19 that we're going to talk about today is actually the first one with the separate you know after the brand split um, and after they had introduced the new uh, world heavyweight championship which was introduced for raw in september of 2002 so about what six months before wrestlemania 19 and then the wwe undisputed championship became the wwe championship and the primary belt for smackdown so it's kind of funny that actually that this question comes up in wrestlemania 38 is just over on the horizon um right as we're getting to the very first wrestlemania where that was that was a thing it's just something i just thought about i was yeah. talking about this some of that brand split uh, leads to some of the growing pains in this uh presentation of the show but anyways yeah for sure definitely some stretching going on i think So our second piece of listener mail is actual honest-to-God snail mail. Um, Again, super excited about this. Uh, Andy B. uh, in New York, a friend of the show, sent us an original program from WrestleMania 2. Again, I was all the way back in 1986. It's a fantastic piece of memorabilia. Uh, We put up a post on our blog site, which is all the WrestleManias at WordPress.com. So you can enjoy some of the artwork and the memories there. So thanks so much, Andy, for sending that to us. It was was a real trip to, uh, to page through that program. Yeah, it's a it's a beauty. And I collect programs from various different events. And I am very envious of this one. <laughs> it's great. There's some uh, there's some amazing artwork. The Mr. T portrait in particular, I would 
I would almost try to find another copy of this on the eBay so I could pull that out and frame it. Yeah, and the Hulk Hogan portrait, like, he's a baby at this point still, and yet they make him look old and wise and, and grizzled and pained in his portrait. But Well, you know, it's they, they captured what was on the inside. Yeah. So, in addition to watching and talking about classic wrestling shows, uh, which we obviously enjoy very much, we also do like to highlight some new wrestling content from time to time. So, Rich, I know you had one that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, the most recent Broken Skull Sessions episode on the Peacock with Stone Cold, uh, he had legendary wrestler Ron Simmons on his program, and it is one of the most fascinating, if not the best episode of Broken Skull Sessions. I highly recommend everybody who is listening to this log into their Peacock and uh, (laughs) load that one up. Ron Simmons really goes into... Uh, how he felt being pretty much the only black major professional wrestler at the time and for a very long time and how his career was boosted based off of that as that like he had talents but certain visionaries like Dusty Rhodes wanted to make sure that there was better representation in professional wrestling and pushed hard for Ron Simmons to get that belt in 1992 And he talked about how at the time Vader was not into giving up the belt, Uh, but eventually Vader did decide to play nice. And so it's a really interesting uh, talk and uh, it was a really nice tie in also to our most recent episode where we talked about Ron Simmons on when we discussed black representation, professional wrestling. And so they're really a good partnership there that we go into the history and then Stone Cold gives you an in-depth interview of of one of the major players. Yeah, that's awesome. It's on my uh, watch list to, to get to as soon as I have a, a chance. Um, right, and when we did that Black Representation episode, we each sort of named our three favorites. Uh, Ron Simmons made my my list, my top three. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to hear what he has to say on there. Definitely worth the like hour and a half. And if you can, sit down and watch it all at once. Nice. All right, cool. Thanks for running that down. Uh, hopefully some folks will check that out. All right, that's the viewer mail. That's sort of the, the preliminaries. I guess it's time to talk WrestleMania 19. So let's um, let's run down the, the details first. Obviously, this is um, the 19th in our series, March 30th, 2003, from Safeco Field in Seattle, Washington. So one of the uh, few outdoor venues that we've had for WrestleManias. It's been a little while. Attendance for this one was 54,097 with 560,000 pay-per-view buys. The tagline on this one is, Dare to Dream. <laughs> which kind of makes me laugh. I don't know what we're dreaming about. Um, dreaming of a coherent card, maybe. Maybe. Uh, and the runtime on this one is kind of long. Again, three hours and 47 minutes. Um, I think we've seen the end of the sub three hour WrestleManias, unfortunately, and they're all just going to get progressively, maybe not progressively longer, but they're all going to hover around this time until we actually get to the two night split which happened a few years ago i would love to have that time back and i like a clean crisp wrestling show where they're going match to match promo to match promo to match it is nice that they're really realizing that wrestlemania is special to the fans and so they're holding it in big stadiums trying to make it seem special 
It's a little longer than the other pay-per-views. And I mean, as a as a fan at the time, I didn't mind WrestleMania being almost four hours long. I mean, especially if you're going to drop whatever it was, 40 bucks on a pay-per-view at the time, right? You might as well get your... Right. It better be $10 worth. an hour. Yeah, $10 an hour. That's not bad. All right. Um, anything you want to say on the background for this show? Well, there's... Uh, I mean, so there's some interesting stuff in this. This is now... Uh, they've gotten the F out. This is yep. the WWE now. They're split into two brands. They've split the roster in half. Uh, half of the folks are on SmackDown and the other half are on Raw. And there's very little, if any, crossover. It's practically two different companies, two different shows, two different writing teams, two different general managers, all that good stuff, all that kind of stuff happening. And now they're even two different championships, mm-hmm. um, which we had just hinted at in the intro. We now have the WWE Championship. And we have the World Heavyweight Championship. Now begins the 20 years of trying to keep track of which one's on which show <laughs> and who who has what belt and the watering down of the brand, in my opinion, because of it. Yeah, it, it does. It does sort of lead, like as we said, lead to some stretching um, and, and a lot of filler. Um, the other thing that we've got here is two different announced teams. So Taz and Michael Cole are your SmackDown announcers. And of course, Jerry the King Lawler and Jim Ross are our Raw announcers. So that means depending on the match and whether the talent involved is a Raw or SmackDown roster member uh, is is who's calling the match. So that kind of takes a little bit of getting used to. This is the first one where we've had these sort of separate uh, announcing teams. Right, and I love Taz on announcing, and I hate Michael Cole. I still it's hate Michael really Cole bad. to this point. He, he just points out obvious things to you nonstop, and it's really, really annoying. It's like, I'm watching. <laughs> I, I I, see that. Thank you. We want to know why, right? We don't care. Right. Oh, they, he did a clothesline. Yeah, great. Thanks. Got it. Yeah, there was also an opening video montage into this into this WrestleMania, um, where it's basically five minutes of all the superstars sucking up to the concept of WrestleMania, <laughs> saying that it's the biggest moment of their life, and it's like blah 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 blah. It's like really Undertaker. This is like your eleventh one now. Yeah, um, let's calm down. It's um, just another Sunday at this point, right? And then like Kurt Angle in it hmm. uh, says that it's. To this match tonight is the most important one of his life. Wow. So he's an Olympic gold medalist <laughs> and I, I'm not him. I can't speak for him and maybe he did feel that way, but I'm going to have to disagree. Yeah. Right. I think winning the gold medal at the Olympics, I think it was in Atlanta where he won the gold medal. Mm-hmm. It feels like a bigger deal than having a match with Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah. So, well, again, you know, the, perspective man we we talked a little bit before we hit record that um you know the the storylines kind of the arcs the feuds going into this are, is not not a whole lot going on that's all that exciting so we'll kind of just we're gonna forget about it we'll just kind of gloss over those when we get to the uh individual yeah. matches we'll tell you why they're fighting if it matters and it yeah doesn't. all you need to know is that brock lesnar won the royal rumble which was predictable because of how the storylines were going mm-hmm. and that it Deals with shenanigans with Paul Heyman, which you know, actually is still a thing now. So here we are 19 years later, and Paul Heyman is still causing chaos in Brock Lesnar's life. Thank God for that. He's consistently the best part of the WWE programming that's on these days, especially at SmackDown. He's on these days, and he's uh, always a treat. We do like Paul. All right, are we ready to actually hit the card for this one and talk a little bit about some of these matches? 
Uh, yeah. Um, one other thing is that the show opens up, and the moment the camera goes to the live crowd, there's immediately a sign that says Hogan sucks. Uh, <laughs> wow. That I was like, all right, we're setting the tone early. Let's jump right into it. So the first one is actually not on the Peacock, we, so we didn't see it, but it was a dark a dark match with Chief Morley, a.k.a. Val Venus, and I didn't remember that particular gimmick for Val Venus, uh, with Lance Storm, with the Dudley Boys, versus Rob Van Dam and Kane. Um, the only thing I wrote down for this is, um, what? Um, Kane, RVD, the Dudleys all had big matches in our most recent WrestleManias, and here they are sort of demoted to the prelims. So I don't know whose car they hit in the parking lot or what, but... Who'd they piss off? I don't know, somebody. According to the Wikipedia, this is another thing that's kind of surprising about the whole production, is that there's... This is 2003, and right after the invasion of Afghanistan and Iraq, and there's really no patriotic stuff happening, which is unusual for WWE... And then apparently Ashanti sings America the Beautiful in between the dark match and the show actually going on air. And I'm really surprised that they didn't have that as part of the broadcast. Huh. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, we, on our earlier posts, you know, on the first, oh, I don't know, first 15, maybe first 13 WrestleManias, the America the Beautiful or the Star Spangled Banner was always a part of the show. It's still on the Peacock. They really went all out to get big names, you know, Ray Charles and Aretha Franklin. And and so it's interesting that that's just kind of just dropped at this point. Yeah, it's gone. And like, this is, this is big time war patriotism, drum up the, drum up the old boys, tie the yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. And WWE's not having any of it. The only thing I noted actually about that was during either the last match or the next to last match, someone holds up a sign that says teabag Saddam. So that's the sparkling political commentary we've come to expect from WWE fans. <laughs> so anyway, so dark match is over. We've we've recognized that we're in America, and that's great. Um, the first match of the card is Rey Mysterio versus Matt Hardy uh, with Shannon Moore. It's a singles match for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah. So is uh, Rey Mysterio Daredevil now? <laughs> I wrote the exact same thing. He's got like a reddish purple outfit. He looks exactly like Daredevil. He's got, He's got the, the logo. Little ears and got the little, little ears. The top. Got yeah. the logo on the chest in the same place. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought he was the man, the man without fear. <laughs> uh, Ray Mysterio, I have read, was actually the very last of the WCW crew to sign with WWE. Part of it was because Vince was unconvinced that uh, Ray's size would work or translate to WWE's style. It's interesting that like because of him and a few other folks, WWE now has a cruiserweight belt again. And it's because right. WCW's cruiserweight division was amazing and a huge draw. It competed evenly with the heavyweight title and stuff. And I think it's because people were starting to like that, like the acrobatics and Lucha style wrestling that like it's not just 300 pound dudes with muscles on muscles pushing on each other. And so it was interesting that that like bit from WCW has rubbed off on WWE now. Yeah, I'm kind of glad it did. I mean, yeah, we know that Vince has sort of famously been kind of down on smaller guys, you know, and, and had to be talked into um, quite a few of the people that, you know, became big, big stars. I think Eddie Guerrero probably had some of the same kind of uphill battle with, sure. you know, getting Vince to think that he was serious because he was, was a smaller guy, but again, he's freaking amazing. So thank God that he did get there. Yeah. So this is actually our first WrestleMania for Ray. Uh, he made his WWE debut just less than a year prior on SmackDown. So um, 
do wonder if uh, because of those colored contacts in his eyes, maybe he really can't see. So he is doing a full daredevil thing. Yeah, he's got little bat sonar going or something. Yeah, he's going going full method. Who knows? It's also our first solo match for Matt Hardy. So we've got kind of two you know, high flyers together here. Yeah, and he's in his Matt Hardy 2.0 gimmick where it's like <laughs> little like bad like AOL like screen visuals are popping up on the screen to give you little like information and like fun facts about Matt right. Hardy and like none of them are interesting and none of them are good. <laughs> no, um, they haven't aged well either. Kids, I thought I no. read that kids today aren't going to understand this reference at all. No, They're like what is this? Was this made on a calculator? Right. Anything to say about the actual? match the actual action ray mysterio is incredible he's he's just flipping around and everything looks so clean and so good and it was nice to see ray mysterio in his prime like it's been a long time for seeing that it was enjoyable to watch and that but the match was also the perfect length it was pretty quick just because i don't want to watch matt hardy that much even at this point i don't like matt hardy solo um I also hate Michael Cole again. I'm going to probably say that every single time it's a SmackDown match. Please do. Um, but Michael Cole was god awful on announcing. This was this was a perfect length. I agree. It just it's a good start to the show. You got two kind of energetic guys. Uh, Ray looks great. I agree. It's, it's you know he's going on 20 years uh, in the company at this point, and he's still on SmackDown, still doing his thing, and he can still do it. But the you know the difference of um, sort of the wear and tear and. And the speed here is 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 remarkable. Um, Matt gets a roll up uh, with an assist from the rope to get the pin uh, and the cruiserweight championship belt, and that's the end of that first one. We get an intro for the uh, catfight girls, and the less said about that, the better. They get out of a limousine. I I'm fast forwarding a little bit because I had I had a hard time remembering them, and then I was like, oh yeah, so this is where. The WWE is taking like one Super Bowl commercial and just like exploding it. Right. So I'm pretty certain that's where they're from. Like the Miller Lite catfight girls were. Oh, were a Super Bowl commercial. right, right, right. I do remember that. I totally forgot about that. Ugh. Yeah. Well, so after that, we're um, treated. I don't know if that's the right word to a performance of the song Roll In uh, and then parentheses air raid vehicle because it's important uh, by Limp Biscuit. That's with a Z quote welcome wwe's favorite band in the whole world <laughs> limp biscuit please please god no the early aughts were a truly dark time for music i think it probably has something to do with our collective trauma from 9-11 i don't have any other explanation for it um, i i will say that they were better than saliva true very true but i still not limp biscuit guy this is not my thing and also they had a break dancer and I didn't realize that you could break dance to that type of music, but you, you most definitely cannot. They, they certainly tried. Well, I will never forgive this particular WrestleMania for making me Google the lyrics, Limp Biscuit songs. That is not something that I wanted for my life. Um, but it happened and, and I'm kind of mad about it. I'm really bad at lyrics. So I just let it blow by me. I just <laughs> roll and roll and roll and roll. And okay. So the, Undertaker comes out on his motorcycle during this song, which I have to admit, as bad as this song and this band suck, it's actually a perfect song for a dude to come out on a motorcycle to. Um, he's got a big flag attached to the back, so you know he's a patriot. Um, he kind of looks like Rob Halford bringing the motorcycle on stage for Judas Priest shows a little bit, but not as cool. Jim Ross does point out that Undertaker's nephew is fighting in Afghanistan, so oh. um, I can understand 
him wanting to do that. I'm not Afghanistan, but in Iraq, I apologize. Uh, so I understand that, but it's also weird that again, this is the most patriotic moment that we have in the official broadcast of WrestleMania 19. Scored by Limp Bizkit. I should... Yeah, America's band. America's band. Take that, Saddam. All right, so The Undertaker is wrestling, I guess is the word. The Big Show and A-Train, who is formerly known as Albert, formerly known as Prince Albert, uh, in a handicap match. The Undertaker will have some assistance from Nathan Jones, who is an absolute unit, but I didn't remember him. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and, and say it. Um, once I looked him up, it turns out that he's also an actor, and he's been in a bunch of stuff as you know a giant meaty guy. But the one that I was super excited about is that he is Rictus in Mad Max Fury Road, you know, one of the uh, the main baddies' sons. Um, with we the live, giant, we die, we live again. With the machine gun. Um He's, I had a baby brother. He was perfect in every way. That guy. Um, <laughs> that's Nathan Jones. So, God, holy I shit. I love that movie. Oh, I my God. It's so good. So, and the other thing I'll say here at the top is that Albert is furry as fuck. A dude needs to get his shit waxed if he's going to be on national TV. Yeah, one of the announcers points out that uh, A-Train's got one hairy abdominal area. Quote. <laughs> that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also like like why do they bother changing his name right he's huge and hairy fans don't forget that just call him gorilla boy and call it a day and he's not very entertaining he's very no it's very sluggish and kind of blah and like that's how i felt about this match this may be one of undertaker's worst matches it's not his worst worst but it's definitely not the best um but i mean they're all better than giant gonzalez at the end so <laughs> At least he has that to fall back on. Yeah, this is not good at all. This is in the Undertaker's unfortunate fake MMA phase where he's wearing his little fingerless gloves and pretending he knows how to box and he's like trying arm bars on people. It's it's not a good fit for yeah, his I actual Yeah, I think he even abilities. has like a submission move at this point Ugh. where he frequently pulls out as his finisher instead of like um, the tombstone or anything like that. I don't know. Was this the first handicap match we've seen on WrestleMania? I think so. I don't remember any others. Yeah. So this might have been the first handicap match we've seen so far. And I, I did note that Big Show was actually looking pretty good yeah. in this match. That he's 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 looking fit, he's big, and but he's not trying to do anything insane. So like you don't see him like trying to climb the ropes or yeah. or do suplexes or running around. He's just being a monster, which which was nice to see. And at some point during this match, there was a train horn. I don't know what was up with that. I don't know if that was like happening outside of the stadium, if Safeco Park is right next to a train yard, or oh, if that maybe. was through the PA system. But it was kind of weird that there was a train in the match, and that there, at one point there was a train horn. Maybe it was like queued up for his entrance or something, and it went off accidentally. I don't know. I don't have much to say about this. I didn't care about this at all. No, I big, big show's got his one shoulder, Andre singlet. There's the yeah. streak, blah blah blah. There's a hairy dude. Yeah. Um, Nathan Jones, Rictus, Mad Max Fury Road. I had a baby brother. Yeah. That, that's he was supposed me. to be uh, Undertaker's tag partner, um, but he got jumped in the locker room beforehand because, you know, why not? Because we can't have nice things. No. So anyways, obviously the streak continues. Undertaker wins. All right. Great. And then uh, JR also then gives a nice little pep talk to the military and says, get this thing done early. It's like... <laughs> It's been 20 years now. Good job, JR. Uh, the next up is the women's match. We've got Trish Stratus 
versus Victoria, who is with Steven Richards versus Jazz. So it's a triple threat match for the WWE Women's Championship. What did you notice for this one? I won. I had zero memory of Victoria. I don't know. I just, I guess I just blanked her out. Hmm. Um, I thought this was another good match. This was another good women's match like we had at the previous one. I thought they did a, this was a bang up job. Jazz is mean as hell. Oh my God, she's scary. Oh, she is hitting. She is, oh, oh. And then like Lawler just explains her by saying, quote, raging hormones. Oh, well, like, that's great. Thanks, Jerry. So, yeah. yeah, she's super ripped. Um, I wrote she's kind of scary. She's like slapping the shit out of Victoria. And every time she slaps her, she hollers like a banshee. Uh, yeah. And it scared me. Like it's on video and I'm still a little bit scared. She nails somebody. I don't, I didn't write down who with a really impressive power bomb. You can tell that Trish is kind of, a step behind the other two you know she's the sort of poster girl for the women's championship and you kind of know that they're going to put her over but it's actually victoria and jazz who are sort of doing all the heavy lifting here and yeah. the actual kind of you know the bumping and the actual moves and stuff uh, which you know i get i'm a i'm a i'm sort of okay with it um there's uh jazz gets a submission on trish but then steven richards interferes and saves her um victoria actually has a couple of really impressive moves too she hits jazz with a super kick that looked pretty badass right. and then she does a moonsault that you know she and it's an intentional miss but she does this really impressive like flat landing you know and i think sometimes when when people do that move and they, they know they're not going to hit it they uh maybe sort of brace themselves or kind of start to roll up a little bit like to cushion the blow up she just like freaking flat out belly flops on the mat it's it yeah. cool now, if um, if Jade Cargill could learn how to work, I think uh, she could be uh, the next Jazz. Yeah, um, Jazz is on another level. Like I think she should have been fighting the men. I not just because she's like muscular and like kind of mannish or anything like that. It's more like she knows what she's doing and she knows how to wrestle, and it's very clear and it's very impressive to watch. Yeah, she was great. I I agree. This is actually a pretty decent women's match um of the wrestlemania ones we've seen and they seem to be getting better you know kind of early on when we started watching these old wrestlemanias the women's match if they happened at all and a lot of times it didn't even happen they were sort of a an afterthought kind of a little distraction or whatever popcorn match sort of thing but they're actually becoming you know a big part of the show and the the talent is steadily improving i would say before this they were on the same they were being treated on the same level as like little person matches yeah fun little whatever like odd freak show kind of stuff not like yeah. this is legitimate competition a throwaway so there was a sign in the background during this match that gets blurred out by the peacock um i couldn't i tried to back it up and see if i could tell what it says but i couldn't it said wwf it on it <laughs> did it yeah, so at this point, they've lost the lawsuit to the point to where they need to wipe out anything oh. that says WWF on it. Oh, wow. Get that F out. Yeah. Right. For real. For real. They need to. <laughs> so. They're going to take all of our money if you guys don't stop writing the F on things. Yeah, so if you actually go back and watch some other stuff from this time period, you'll see that um, like the turnbuckles are censored and stuff yeah. like that because they have the F on them. Crazy. So... Anything else on the women's championship match? Um, I thought there was one pretty funny spot where Steven Richards chairs himself. He swings <laughs> yeah. with the chair and misses and hits the rope and comes back and slams himself in the face. And then he eats a stratisfaction, like a huge, huge one. And that one, that was, that one made me giggle. And I really enjoyed that moment in this match a lot. Yeah. That guy had it coming. 
So, of course, Trish Stratus takes the win and the championship for that one. We've got a promo with The Rock. He is not over with the crowd at this point. I mean, he's over, obviously, but he's a major heel. He's kind of come back from Hollywood. He's got his big Hollywood attitude. He says, tonight, The Rock could care less about the people. Boo. So many boos during the entire <laughs> promo. Yeah. I felt like his delivery was a little off. Like, he's 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 been gone from wrestling now for a while. And so it feels kind of, he, he doesn't feel like he's really in the game here. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit of a, a re-entry, some bumps. But he's still got that pause that, like, <laughs> gets the crowd fucking hyped. Yeah. He's, yeah, we, I mean, we've, we've gone on and on about The Rock before, and he's always a treat. All right, so now, next up, we have a tag team match. This is another triple threat. We've got all kinds of stipulations on this particular WrestleMania. This is Team Angle, which is Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin, facing off against Chris Benoit and Rhino. Versus Los Guerreros, which is Chavo Guerrero Jr. and Eddie Guerrero. It's a match for the WWE Tag Team Championship, which is the Raw Tag Team Championship title. So I think, obviously, Benoit and Guerrero are the main event here, right? And it's Oh, my of, God. Yeah. Uh, all the rest Those of two. this. Yeah. yeah. All the rest of this is just, can these guys get out of the way, please, so that Chris Benoit yeah. and Eddie Guerrero can fight? I mean, this match was entertaining. Um, I really enjoyed this match mm-hmm. and yeah, there was a little bit of a blip in the error in the entrances. I'm not sure if you caught this, um, but as Rhino was coming down, they actually played the team angle video oh. package <laughs> and like the announced team started talking about team angle, but like Rhino is coming down to the ring <laughs> and then suddenly the video like quickly changes over and the announced team just like stops almost mid sentence of talking about team angle to talk about <laughs> Rhino. Oh, poor Rhino. He got shortchanged. Yeah. So the Guerrero's theme song has, of course, the famous line about we lie and cheat and steal, uh, which is a little bit racist, I think. I don't know. Um, but that was also sort of their gimmick, right? Eddie was like constantly yeah. cheating and um, and getting it, getting wins by being dishonest. Um, I mean, this is the period of time where faces uh, get over by being heels. So yeah. it was a really great match. I'm very happy with, with how this match went for the most part. And uh, someone needs to tell Chris Benoit that it's not real at this right. point because he is he's fighting people like <laughs> especially Eddie. He is chopping the shit out of Eddie Guerrero's chest during this match. So loud, those chops the, like for them to echo in a baseball stadium. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, man. Those guys—they really do go at it. And there's, there's, yeah. I wrote there's lots of good action in this one. I don't think we even run through all of it, but there's lots of you know yeah. really fast and smooth work. Lots of quick tags, some really good exchanges. You know, Eddie, Eddie faces off against Rhino, and Rhino hits him with a power slam. And Rhino gets Shelton. Rhino against Charlie. Rhino versus Eddie. Finally, back to Eddie versus Benoit, uh, and that's when the chops really start. Um, there's uh, German suplexes from Benoit on Chavo Guerrero Jr. that looked really good. He hits him like yeah. four times in a row with that thing. I'm like, please stop. You're going to break his neck. Yeah, and there's there's also this moment where um, Eddie's coming off the ropes at Benoit, and Benoit springs him up into the air. Like, he's just going to let him, like, pancake down. But as Eddie's coming down, Benoit catches his arm and puts him in an arm bar, and they land together in the arm bar. Jesus. It, it's an amazing little impressive spot that's... 
it just gives you chills. Like it's the little things that really like made Benoit and Eddie Guerrero so great. And this is one of them. Yeah. They worked really well together. I would, I would highly recommend if you're going to watch any highlights from this particular WrestleMania, I would, that's one I would put on your list for sure. This is one of the better tag matches in WrestleMania history. Mm -hmm. Wow. In my opinion. So Shelton for team angle gets the win and they keep the belts. Um, I, this maybe didn't need to be a three-way match. I don't know. Maybe it could have gone a different different approach, but I, I'm really glad it was here. Yeah, I mean, it makes it, it makes it a bit of a circus, which is kind of fun, but this is also probably a, a triple threat match just because WWE is so flush with talent at this point. They need to do something with all of them. Right. So I noted that the the show is really moving along here. Um, yeah. These first four matches are less than 10 minutes each, uh, and they average just under eight minutes apiece. And then the last five matches that we're about to talk average around 20 minutes each. So it's a real shift in pace of the show. Um, and it's interesting sort of watching it. And I appreciate, actually, the, the quick start. It's a way to kind of get people hyped, get them into the show, uh, and then you get them to sort of settle down for these kind of longer matches. So. Yeah, and that match, I, after all of that like fast pacedness, I needed the uh, I needed to stop for a moment to get some mozzarella sticks to <laughs> to get myself back together. You needed a breather. So, well, you also had a chance to take a breather because the Catfight Girls are back, uh, and they're debating whether Mister McMahon or Hulk Hogan is more responsible for creating WrestleMania. Um, I does anybody care? Like, don't we just can we just sort of agree that they did it together? Like. Uh, a promoter can't do it without a talent. Talent can't do it without a promoter, right? Right, right. We've we've gone from having Muhammad Ali and Liberace on <laughs> WrestleMania to these cat fighting women that were a minor blip on the pop culture radar. That w- was a real struggle to even remember who the hell they are. Right at that point in time, it was a struggle to remember who they were. Um, WrestleMania is uh, slipping a little bit. Yeah, this is two months away, or two months after the Super Bowl, so um, that's a lifetime in terms of forgetting commercials. It's better than three years after the OJ trial, but... (laughs) Well, you know, so the the cafe girls are going to settle it in the ring, or maybe in bed, they're not clear, Um, I I don't care. Uh, But when they go back to the arena, though, actually, there's a sign alert that says that was dumb, which I totally agree. Someone's on the fly just making signs. It's great. Right. I always thought about that, actually. You, can you take, like, blank poster board and a big-ass marker and then just, you know, as things come up, like... I'm sure you could probably just take a marker board with you. Just yeah, slip a well, marker a good board idea. in with you. <laughs> a li- live commentary on the signs. Sitting there with a dry erase board. <laughs> this will be a goal for the next uh, AEW show we go to. So Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho is up next. Um there's a video package of their feud. Um, Jericho's facial hair is super sketchy on the video package. He's got this like weird chin beard thing. He looks like super Amish. I don't know what was going on with him at that time. Um, I really hate Shawn Michaels still. Uh, and so I'm not particularly excited to see him here, but the match actually turns out to be pretty good. It was a little too long in my opinion to me, but it was, it was a good match. Um, Shawn Michaels is a good storyteller in the ring as much as we kind of don't like him outside of the ring. He is a good storyteller in the ring. Could we also um, call this a handicap match because Shawn Michaels is performing here without cocaine? Um, It's possible. I mean, he is sober at this point. 
Um, he's back from retirement. Um, I guess Jericho is a big enough tease to him yeah. to get him to come out of retirement. And I noted that they were, they worked a very traditional opening for a good part of this match. They were mm-hmm. just like locking up headlocks, arm bars, stuff like that, hip tosses. You know, Shawn Michaels sort of calms down some of his hysterics, some of his, you know, kind of flipping. He does his skin yeah. the cat thing over the top rope, which is well, fine. It's I agree. There's a very uh, much more sort of grounded kind of good pace. Um, Chris starts working on Sean's back at one point, And then that's kind of the, the big thing that they're selling. And of course the announcers are going on and on about Sean's back injuries and how it led to his retirement and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. And they were both working a little stiff in this match. There was a really stiff baseball slide into Jericho. There was a really rough, like face buster on the, uh, from Oof. the top rope. Yeah. That was, that was harsh. I saw that um, too. I found the match entertaining, but there just isn't much to talk about it. It's kind of like how this whole pay-per-view is that they're yeah. like, it was entertaining, but there's just not much. I don't know to to really break down and to talk about these guys were, these guys had a pretty decent match. Um, I feel that Chris Jericho's facials and vocals at this point are oversold. Like he's, he's overly dramatic in my opinion, yeah. at least. Um, he can be I a just, little cartoony. Yeah, I just like I don't know if it's also just like the tone of his voice where it's like ah, bah, 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 but it's I don't know what it is. It's too much for me. Yeah, he does he's a screamer for sure. That's that's why he's so terrible in commentary now on AEW. He just screams and you don't have to do that. You know, listen to Jim Ross, he doesn't scream. You know, he yeah. he talks in a in an announcery voice, but it's not screaming, you know, nobody you can't keep that up. Uh you tire people out when you do that shit. Yeah, go watch some Jake the Snake promos. Yeah, um, seriously. Learn about how to talk soft. So I wrote it, um, two two good signs here. So first of all, there's lots of ass clown signs, which is one of um, Jericho's favorite insults. So I yeah. I appreciated the ass clown signs. That was good. Um, and then there's another one where somebody holds up a sign that says, where are my pants? Which yes. is an e- excellent question. Um, and having... He was sitting next to your butt. <laughs> I like that sign too. And yeah. I, I mean, that guy's right. I am butt. For some reason, it's like, okay, when Ric Flair and Hogan do the same things. But for some reason, I don't know if it's just because I didn't find Shawn Michaels ever that enthralling, except for in a ladder match with Razor Ramon. Yeah. Um, that when him having all these same spots, it just doesn't feel right. It's so, annoying, right? Yeah. It's like when someone you like does something and you're okay with it. And then someone that you just can't stand does the exact same thing. You're like, God, it's so annoying. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> I I don't like it because it's you doing it, right. not because I don't like it being done. It's just so. your face. Um, so Jericho puts the walls of Jericho on Sean a couple different times during this ring. Actually, I had a question. So between this match and his many many matches with Bret Hart, how many times do you think Sean has been put in a sharpshooter or some version thereof? Like more than two hundred? Like oh, probably. Yeah, he probably can't even like straighten his knees out straight anymore <laughs> because of how many times he's had to do it. He's been sharpshooted to death. Well, so there's even, there was a part, I thought we were headed towards a double count out, which is, you know, as we know, a great WrestleMania tradition. Uh, they had the walls of Jericho going outside the ring, but they, they hopped back in the ring. I was, I was a little disappointed in end that way. Uh, Sean actually misses the chin music kick and it gets reversed into the walls of Jericho, yeah. um, which is exciting. Um, also for the, announcer at aew the boston the standing boston crab that jericho does is called the walls of jericho it is not the lion tamer please learn chris jericho's moves 
it's pretty easy to know that like he has he has like three moves with names they're, they're pretty yeah. easy to uh, to remember well to be fair excalibur are we allowed to just say it's excalibur it's excalibur uh also terrible um he is too busy remembering the names of all those bullshit japanese moves that he loves so much so he can't how could you expect him to remember the three moves of one of their major talents there i think he either just makes up the move names or he heard them called that once and he has like a photographic memory and he just starts using like the slang and and like slapstick like joke names that people will give things these moves and just yeah. starts using it as it's the legit name <laughs> the, well that was the colorado tea bag yeah. yeah yeah anyway so uh sean does some sort of reversal to get the win jericho looks like he's almost crying at the end he goes and hugs sean they sort of have this nice moment but then of course he nutshots sean because he's a dick um they're both dicks i think they deserve each other honestly yeah they should they should move in together they're like the exact opposites of like uh greg valentine and brutus the barber <laughs> beefcake like they should also live together yeah they could be neighbors and then it would be a show about the four of them oh man get my agent on the phone we need to write that's this a good up. buddy comedy all right so we survived that um we get treated to some more limp biscuit wwe theme song for this wrestlemania crack addict there's kids watching this like <laughs> well, this see, here's for the- a younger audience Here's here's the trick though, Rich. Uh, you know, you think the song from the name is about the drug uh, rock cocaine, you know, um, but actually he says, "I'm addicted to cracking skulls when punks start static." So that's the crack that he's talking about. It's actually not drugs; it's violence. Dare didn't work. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> and this is this is the sign that dare didn't work. It was a waste of taxpayer money. So this song goes on for freaking ever. I, I thought maybe I had fallen into a coma and it was like still going on. I don't know. Um, let's let's just keep going. In case that wasn't bad enough. Um, it's another we, waste of taxpayer money right here. Yeah. We have to look at Jonathan Coachman. Okay. Not a good start. He's introducing the Miller Lite catfight girls who are going to have a pillow fight on a giant bed slash couch um, to settle, I think, definitively the issue of whether Hulk Hogan or Vince McMahon is more... Uh, responsible for Hulkamania uh, and the success of professional wrestling in general in the 80s when these girls probably weren't alive. Um, so it's the Catfight Girls and then Stacy Keebler, who we talked about last time. I know her. You do. <laughs> I don't really know her, but I met her. Yeah, that's a good story. You should watch the episode on WrestleMania 18 if you want to hear the whole story. Uh, and then Tori comes out to make it a fatal four-way uh, because she says the only thing you're missing here is a Playboy cover girl. So I don't know. They kind of like tear each other's clothes off and hit each other with pillows and spank each other's asses. I coach uh, sort of narrates from the side. Um, I'm, I don't, I, I don't know. This is a WrestleMania low point. Yeah, this is, for sure. this is the lowest point that WrestleMania has gotten to that we've watched <laughs> at this point. It, I, I literally wrote, I have no words. Um, it's pretty and bad. And that I have to tell you that I'm disqualifying this as a match. You cannot use this as your worst or best match. Okay. You can't use it as your oh shit moment. You oh. can't use it for anything except for to lower the score of the overall <laughs> rating of this WrestleMania. Zero stars. Zero, Zero point zero. 
coach gets pantsed at the end and pinned. Um, and then they play ZZ Top's Legs uh, in maybe the world's most obvious musical choice to play the girls oh, off. I think that was Stacey Keebler's theme at the time. So. No. Mm. She but has yeah, long legs. Like, I get it. We've got these four like very attractive women, and the finish is we got to look at Jonathan Coachman's ass. <laughs> hard, hard pass. All right, so next up in the card is uh, Triple H with Ric Flair versus Booker T for the World Heavyweight Championship. I'm super excited about this one. It might even make me enjoy Triple H. I don't know. We'll see. I would advise anybody that's going to watch this match uh, to mute it if you don't want to hear the the racist dog whistles that Jerry Lawler Oof. is dropping through the entire match. It's really bad. I wrote down a couple of the notables here. That Booker T has Johnny Cochran on speed dial. Don't mm. judge a crook by his lawyer. Booker T should have known he'd never amount to anything when he was born on a pool table. Yikes. Uh, the family portrait is a courtroom sketch. Jesus Christ, Jerry. Maybe he's having a flashback to those days behind bars. I wrote, we went, we went to the mall yesterday and he tried to pay for everything in cigarettes. It's very clever. Yeah. yeah. Very clever. Um, so it's 2003 and the WWE <laughs> is still relying on racist dog whistles uh, for their heel color commentary. Yeah. Um, it's gross. I don't, I don't understand it. It's not necessary. There's uh, I thought it was interesting actually that the video package before this one is actually a bit of a shoot. You know, it's Booker T talking about his robbery conviction. Uh, and then of course, you know, parlaying that into the, into the discussion of the feud between him and triple H, but like the, you know, the stuff about his robbery conviction is real, you know? Um, and you know, if you watch the biography on him or read anything about him, you know, that's part of his story and he's, he's okay with it. He's open about it, but I just thought it was interesting that to see it kind of worked into the uh, storyline here. Yeah. This is the change from the attitude era to where they're pushing even more towards full realism Many of the guys still aren't fighting under their real names. He, it's still their backgrounds are real, and it's partially just because at this point WWE is also dealing with the fact that the internet's a thing, and right. the rumor mills are pumping out everything. To like, writers are talking to people backstage, and then suddenly, what the writer said about who's going to win the match at WrestleMania and stuff like that is showing up on the internet. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, you can't pretend that somebody's actually a garbage man anymore, you know. You can't. <laughs> so Right. You have to acknowledge that yes, this is a real person. That he's going by a stage name. Um you know, he's in the case of Triple H, he's actually married to the boss's daughter, you know. Um and kind of that becomes much more a part of the story just because like you said, it's way easier for people to find that stuff out these days. Thought that this match was pretty good. I was one I'm upset again that like it's Booker T. He is a four-time world champion in WCW. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually held this belt again in WWF for a little bit, briefly. Um, and it's mid-card. Yeah. So, like, this is this is where it becomes troublesome that they have two title belts. Like, they put one of them... Uh, this is a main event caliber match. This is a big-time wrestling match, and mm -hmm. it's in the middle of the card. And like Hogan versus McMahon is later in the card than this match. Right. The slap um, fight between two uh, 60 year old guys. I'm sorry, 50 year old guys. Right. And it's higher billing. 
the 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 lead into this match is the cat fight. Like there's <laughs> that's bad. It's just like I feel like there's no respect for them, you know, for this especially, and it feels it feels like it's uh, slanted against um, Booker T again. Um, yeah, I would agree. It's kind of unfortunate. Um, but all that aside, you know, we talked about last time how much we love friggin' watching Booker T work. Uh, you know, his shit is clean. He really lays it in. He's got amazing facials. Um, I really like this this match. I noticed the vocalizations he does sort of with each of his moves that kind of yeah. like bring up the energy level. Uh, he really seems, you know, seems like he's having a honest to God fight with somebody. Um, he does some really tough looking chops on this one he's they sound like gunshot um he does this like twisting slash flying clothesline elbow move that um looks really good really kind of looks like you could legitimately hurt somebody with it booker t actually is finally over with the crowd too and he gets a huge pop when he comes out which is much different than the last wrestlemania that we watched where it was silent when he came out yeah he does this front flip leg drop on the Triple H uh, near the end of the match that triggers a holy shit chant from the crowd. <laughs> yeah, um, that's great. You normally don't get a holy shit chant just for doing something in the ring. Normally it's like somebody went through a table or something. But I mean, that's how much of a of attention that Booker T can draw and like mm-hmm. the kinds of things he will do. Yeah, um, yeah no, that movie was great. Uh, he's he's super athletic. And like, like I said, we really enjoy watching him work. Um, the kind of storyline they're selling into this one is, you know, Flair sort of intervenes and attacks Booker and puts his knee into the um, metal steps outside the ring. So, of course, his leg is injured and Triple H goes to work on the leg. Um, Triple H puts the uh, Indian deathlock on Booker. Um, JR goes on and on about it and how he hasn't seen anyone use it in 10 years. Um, Rick Flair must have taught it to him because clearly nobody has ever seen or done the Indian deathlock. Triple H also does a massive spine buster um, on in in this match, and I've always liked Triple H's spine buster slam. Yeah, um, it's always it, he always makes it look so good. It, he's probably um, up there with like Arn Anderson and The Rock in their quality <laughs> of of spine busters. Um, and Jr. really does some amazing announcing in this match. Um, he references uh, Harley Race and Arn Anderson. And Ric Flair um, pointing out like these uh, WCW veterans and NWA champions. And that really starts selling the legacy of the belt that uh, Triple H is defending. Because that's what belt this is, is that this was the the WCW belt and the right. uh, and prior to that, the NWA belt. The big gold belt. They, uh, they bumped the ref at one point, but it doesn't really amount to anything. And I kind of wonder no. if it wasn't accidental. Um, Booker actually kind of like turns around and looks like he's almost like apologizing or checking on the ref. Like, Oh, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> I, I don't know if that was supposed to be yeah. a ref bump, but I'm it sure it's a work. Yeah. It's I'm always sure. a work. You know? yeah, that's true. Um, but it, do- it doesn't a... affect anything within the match, no. which was kind of weird. Yeah. There was a moment where you can hear Ric Flair turn to a fan off camera and say, shut up, damn it. Like, I don't know if a fan was just giving him too much shit or something, but uh, that was... He's sensitive. It's a bit of a dirty finish, and Triple H maintains the belt. And um, as we had discussed prior to recording this, that um, I normally don't disagree with with where they're going with things. Um, I did not like Triple H keeping the belt at this point. I think if you have a talent like Booker T... 
you know, you put that belt on him, man, and let him defend it against anybody that wants to come for it, you know? And honestly, this sort of feels like Triple H continuing to get the push because of his relationship with the McMahons. Um, you know, nothing against him or to to denigrate his ability, but like the, I, I agree, this that wasn't the right uh, finish here. It is 57-year-old Vince McMahon. No chance! In a street fight against... No chance in hell! <laughs> God, McMahon. <laughs> Please, no. In a street fight against 49-year-old Hawk Hogan. Uh, Hawk must retire if he loses. Um, maybe Hawk should just retire anyway, because he's 49. I don't know. There's another... So there's another sort of shoot video package here, um, like with Booker, where they're kind of drawing from real life that I thought was kind of interesting. They're talking about the steroids trial uh, and Hogan testifying against Vince. There's some news footage from the time. Um, you know, the, the storyline they're pushing here is that, you know, Vince has never gotten over it. He was he was betrayed by Hogan, his, his best friend and most uh, promising prospect. Um, At no point in time were there ever a chance that they were best friends no <laughs> no but he says in his promo that he created hawkmania and by god at wrestlemania he's gonna kill it so you good be, be warned yeah. <laughs> please do it's over <laughs> yeah. i actually kind of liked hogan's response promo he says you better start he gives his famous uh you know his own famous script but he twists it a little bit he says you better start training you better start eating your vitamins and you better start saying your damn prayers yeah that was a good that was a hot promo that hogan was a good twist yeah Yeah. also you know hearing hulk hogan swear is kind of like hearing your dad swear when you were like really young you're like oh man you're not he's not supposed to talk like that no so yeah, that was, I actually I like that a lot. Um, there's some more recaps of Vince attacking Hogan with a chair and a pen, and Hogan bleeding all over the place. And so clearly, there's you know bad blood. We're we're gonna get into it. That's why this has to be a street fight. Uh, the real reason why this has to be a street fight <laughs> is because Vince McMahon doesn't know how to wrestle, hmm. and Hogan can barely wrestle anymore. So they uh, they need to have a reason just to hit each other and not do moves. That's yeah. the real reason. Um, i don't believe you and to Uh, like dropping like the go with them getting more into like the realistic storylines um they introduce hogan as from tampa bay florida now right right in this match instead of from venice beach yeah he's no longer hollywood hulk hogan he's back in his red and yellow Uh, the fans are into it for the most part um you know you saw the hogan sucks earlier but there's a somebody has a sign that Hawk actually takes from a fan that says Vince still sucks. Um, so maybe a bit of a divide in the crowd. Oh, they both really suck. Um, <laughs> That's true. The, Hogan also doesn't use Rick Derringer's uh, real American, which was, I was sad about. Yeah. I don't know when that happened though. Was that when, when he became Hollywood Hogan? Did he switch? Um, music? I don't, I don't think he used it in WCW at all. Okay. We used uh, American Made. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. American Made. Released 1999. Yeah. Genre, country music. Is that true? I wouldn't call that country. So they start off with a slap fight. Um, Hogan gets him with a spear, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, And then there's some weak-ass slap punches while Vince is down. Um, The announcers use the phrase ground and pound. 
Um, so clearly they're trying to make it seem like it's, a, again, a real fight sort of MMA vocabulary, but it really just looks like two old guys having a slap fight over, um, you know, over the free coffee at McDonald's or something. Uh, I noted here that this match is over 20 minutes long. Um, we're in for it. Yeah. Is this 20 minutes of two old guys um, punching each other, doing stupid shit that they shouldn't do? <laughs> um, Vince definitely hits an artery at some point because, good God, he's bleeding. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. Oh, yeah. God. Hogan gets in with a chair and then he grabs the chair and kind of walks around with it and makes a big show. And that, of course, gives Vince a chance to blade himself while, while our uh, attention is distracted. But when he gets up, he is bleeding like crazy. I mean, Vince ate that chair. Like, yeah. he had no hands up or anything. Like, I couldn't, my God, Vince, like. <laughs> It's you shouldn't much. you shouldn't do that no nobody should do that only ken shamrock is yeah. allowed to eat chairs to the face like that yeah um i mean there's some mildly entertaining spots here vince vince puts hogan on the spanish announcer's table because of course uh and then climbs up a ladder and drops a leg drop on him um, I didn't see what happened, but when Hugo, you know, the one Spanish announcer gets up after that, he is also bleeding. Yeah. He got, he got <laughs> color guy. the hard way. Uh, something yeah. from the table hit him. Yeah. I felt bad, man. That's, he didn't sign up for that shit. Vince gets a pipe, but gets nutshotted by Hogan. And then we got a surprise guest appearance. Yeah. I, I put in all caps. Oh, fuck, it's Piper. <laughs> Yeah, Roddy Piper shows up in his kilt. Um, he's looking pretty puffy and pale and terrible, um, but he gets a great pop from the crowd. They're they're super into it. Yeah, and he's also still a heel piece of shit, which is amazing. Totally. Um, totally. Everybody is like, oh, it's Piper. He's going to help Hogan. No, you dumb shit. He hates Hogan. <laughs> They've always hated each other. Right. Don't you remember? Oh, sorry. None of you were born. Yeah. We just talked about this on the Wrestling Classic episode. So does he call Vince Jr. at one point when he's like yelling at him? Yeah, I think so. Did you, that was great. Well, so I've heard that Vince really doesn't like being referred to as Vince Jr. Right. Because he's a different middle initial right. and kind of makes a big deal out of it. So for him to call his former current, whatever boss Jr. on, on I mean, live TV I, was great. I know how he feels. I, I do the same thing. My dad and I have different middle names, so yeah. I'm not a junior. Don't fucking call me a junior. <laughs> so. But if we ever have heat, you know, in the ring, I'll know how to get to you. Yeah, because that's going to happen. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you guys, you will read about us in the newspaper as two overweight middle-aged men uh, having simultaneous heart attacks in a makeshift wrestling ring. Two idiots and buoy tonight. <laughs> We're killed today. Well, so, yeah, Piper lays the pipe. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Piper, <laughs> Piper nails Hogan with a pipe. <laughs> Uh, and then does like a kiss my ass gesture, hypes up his, his kilt and slaps his ass. Then, of course, it's time for the Hawk up. Vince gets the big leg on Hogan, but Hogan has had enough by this point. So he's he's hawking up. He's pointing. He's wagging his finger. The crowd is losing its fucking mind. Uh, he's bleeding all over the place. They're both bleeding all over the place. There's the leg drop, two leg drops, and then it's all over. Hogan doesn't need to be in a match like this. No, he really doesn't. This isn't this isn't what made Hogan great. This isn't what makes everybody love Hulk Hogan or his legacy. Yeah. That and really that this match should have been a straight match. Um 
and then just gone through a couple a couple spots that were that would remind the crowd of famous Hogan matches such as Hogan versus Warrior or Hogan versus Andre and then big boot leg drop Rapper. Hogan goes home and McMahon like cowers away like if yeah. that's what they're going to do like this match should not have been more than like seven minutes long <laughs> yeah this is actually a really interesting contrast to the one that we just saw with him and the rock at wrestlemania 18 right where right. they went a different direction from the typical hogan match and told a different story but it was also sort of in character and in continuity with what you know about hawk hogan right hawk hogan is not the street fighter guy roddy piper is the street fighter guy um so to have him kind of do this thing yeah it's like asking the uh oboe player to you know play the concerto on the trumpet or something it's yeah he's talented at doing this other thing but it's not it's not that right so right so like i don't know if they're going for like this is hogan the man not hogan the character but i mean if they're going to go if they're going to do that then they need to be like this is terry bolea from tampa florida coming to fight (laughs) vince mcmahon right and he needs Um, to come down in t-shirt and jeans the way vince did right not in his feathers and sunglasses and all that stuff and Roddy Piper needs to not interfere because like yeah. that's a work, you know. So right. so if they want to do like a full shoot angle, then that's what they do. That's what they would should have done, but they didn't. So it's just like kind of like Hogan has possibly the best Hulk Hogan WrestleMania match ever at WrestleMania 18, and then has perhaps his worst at WrestleMania 19, and then it's his last WrestleMania match too. So right. Which is a shame. He should have gone out after losing to The Rock, gone out on his shield on that one, and that would have been amazing. Yeah, but I agree. This was this was a Hogan kind of waste, ego. Of, his, a waste of his ego. talents and a waste of the uh, genuine goodwill I think that he has with the fans. So yeah. All right. Well, I don't think that one's going to make our best match list, unfortunately. Um, next up, though, is The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, which. Uh, paper sounds exciting right um this is our third rock versus stone cold match for wrestlemania correct i believe so yeah including uh some really good ones there was a uh false count anywhere or no disqualifications or whatever it was and um we've we've seen these two go to war and so this will be the third time again the sort of storyline here is the rock is back from hollywood he's the new hollywood hogan you know he's been in some movies he uh, hanging out with famous people so is he gotten has he gotten soft can he still do it can he still hang with the real tough sons of bitches of the wwe like stone cold um so i guess we're about to find out yeah so like the whole setup to this match is that stone cold basically won a uh viewer's choice award practically of like stone cold <laughs> is is everybody's favorite wwe wrestler and you know that pissed the rock off but what does the rock expect he's been gone he's not right. there he's not he's on not TV a wrestler yeah but, you know, Stone Cold also has been gone for a while. Stone Cold quit. Um, I get really mad is... when my former job refuses to name me of employee of the month. Yeah. I'm like, you guys. Um, and then I go back and fight the person who did get employee of the month. Right. And this is like Stone Cold's return after um, he walked out because Vince wanted him to put over Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Um, and Stone Cold was like, well, that makes no damn sense and went home. And The Rock references it at The Rock in the in his promo that like Stone Cold took his ball and went home and blah 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 blah. But <laughs> his horse was sick. Oh, that's his Terry horse Fox. was sick. Sorry. 
Yeah. So Jerry, Jerry, uh, Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross keep talking about, they keep saying this is WrestleMania over and over and over again. I think, I guess to remind us that this is definitely not a movie. Um, and this is, um, real life. I don't, I don't know. Actually, I guess the idea is that you can't movie punch Stone Cold Steve Austin because Steve Austin's going to knuckleball you right in the forehead. This match, it just didn't have the, for me, it didn't have the same pop and energy as their previous encounters. Um, The Rock looks Mm -hmm. like he's a step slower. Stone Cold is looking a step slower. (laughs) Stone Cold's been through some shit and this is his, this is his last professional match. He's got like 20 pounds of knee braces on too. Um, So he's, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same way, honestly. I feel like the hype is there. The personalities are there. We love these guys. I love, I love to see them do whatever they want to do, honestly. But like this is, you know, in terms of the actual ring work, it's kind of like, yeah, all right. Um, I think, you know, the most interesting moving part for me is at the very end, you know, the rock gets three rock bottoms on him and he finally puts away Austin and he kind of sits over top of him and you can see that he's talking to him there at the end. Um, and he's... T- the rock has talked about this in some um, interviews and I think stone cold has as well. He's basically, you know, sort of thanking him for all the, you know, the opportunities and the chance to work together and for the ride that they've been on together. So for me, that was really sort of a moving moment, you know, and he kind of like touches Austin's chest as he gets up, you know, kind of like, thanks buddy. You know, I, I thought that part was, was really nice actually. As, as a human, yeah. I like that. Yeah. As a wrestling fan, I hated it because yeah. the rock Hopes. was breaking kayfabe. And then that's not what I like. Yeah. I don't, I didn't like seeing that. Like it wasn't like they were both faces and they're shaking hands before the start of the match or something like that, where they could get away with, you know, checking on like yeah. fake checking on him at the end of the match or something like that. That's not what was happening. It was the rock breaking character and, and stuff. And that, so I didn't like that, but I thought it was interesting actually at the beginning of the match that mm-hmm. Austin goes for the stunner immediately, like trying to just like, let's just get this over with and like move on with life. But like the rock gets out of it. And then like Austin realizes, okay, well I'm going to have to whip his ass. <laughs> right. Um, One stunner and send this jabroni back to Hollywood. Right. And I thought actually at this point, Austin looks in better shape than the rock. Austin looks like he's put on about 30 pounds of muscle or something. And the rock actually looks yeah. like he's lost some definition. The match was the, the ref was just, letting them do stuff and this was not like a no rules right. match right like there <laughs> right. was there was rules but should have been there they're like just outside of the ring forever and they were doing horrible things to each other out there and it's like what what's happening like why is the ref counting why is why is the ref just following them why is like i guess they're just working loose with yeah. the rules in this match i don't or something know it's like a good question like we've said with other other things it works better almost if they have a clean match, right? If they kind of keep it, keep it to the ring, follow the rules, you know, right. sort of do the, do the wrestling thing. You know, this is not a no disqualification slug fest like they had before. I like when the rock put Austin skull vest on at one point. <laughs> That's oh, that a great heel move. That was a that good was moment. Fantastic. Um, the rock goes yeah. to work on the legs, uh, which is obviously bad because again, Austin looks like the freaking bionic man with all those knee braces. So, um, yeah, he yeah. struggles with a sharpshooter. I don't know on he can him. even try to bend all that, plastic and metal and shit that's on his knees yeah and like that also sent the announced team referring back to yep. stone cold and bret hart yep. um again um so like it felt like kind of like a, a tired trope almost at this point of like the rock putting the sharpshooter on yep. stone cold again again at least he didn't lose three quarts of blood um, this time so no 
Um, and like the rock does his spine buster, um, but it didn't seem as, as clean or as good as it used to be. And I don't know if that was stone cold's fault or, or if the rock mm-hmm. is his ring rust, you know, I also noted that this match yeah. had too many false finishes for my taste. Um, it was just like, they're like superheroes, like landing devastating finishers on each other, but they're not working. Yeah. It, um, it drags a little bit and goes on nearly 18 minutes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about this. I just, I had a question. How, how often do you think Steve and uh, Dwayne talk these days? So I, they seem to have a good relationship. Seems to be lots of mutual respect. Um, do you think they like text? And what do you think that looks like? I, I no. actually don't think they talk at all. No, I'd imagine at this point, like if they were good enough friends, the rock would have enough sway to like get stone yeah. cold into something. Yeah, maybe like, I think if they were good enough friends, like stone cold would have shown up on an oh, episode of ballers or something. Although from what I've heard, you know, from one of his various interviews and stuff, Austin didn't really like the the movie, his time in the movie business. He sort of like did a bunch of them in a, kind of a quick stretch, you know, moved out to L.A. He's like, well, I'm going to make this my thing. But it sounds like he didn't really dig it. It didn't help that most of the movies were like not great. He didn't have someone yeah. really like filtering <laughs> no, the material for him. Some of it's so. pretty bad. Moving on. Last match, main event, the one that's going to save this entire WrestleMania Maybe we're going to save all of humanity. It's Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle for the WWE Championship. Uh, This is prime Lesnar versus prime Angle. You've got two actual athletes and shooters here. They're in peak physical condition. They're ready to get it on. I'm kind of hyped, honestly. Yeah, this match was something to really look forward to back in the day. I didn't like Kurt Angle back in the day. I didn't really even like appreciate him. Nowadays, like I'm wishing I should... I probably should go back and rewatch his stuff because the stuff that he brought to the ring, the legitimacy that he brought to the ring had been sorely missing. Yeah, for a he's long really damn time. good. And I think um, it's been actually kind of a delight to catch some of this peak angle work on these WrestleManias and some of the other stuff we've been watching. So highly recommend. And I would argue that we haven't seen someone work with Brock this well since. No. And I think what makes them really work together is like I said, they are two actual, you know, athletes and shooters and they can, sort of play off of that honestly i think you said when you were watching this it looked like they kind of some of this stuff is actually a shoot and you know they come out of it into sort of worked uh you know the next moves or whatever but they who gets on top and who comes out of a an exchange is actually maybe a shoot like it had a lot of like moments like the kurt angle chris benoit matched where like it felt like they're like really shooting on each other and then they would improvise off of whoever came yeah. out on top there's some great stuff here there's a lot of you know really back and forth um there's some really cool reversals there's an f5 attempt that gets reversed into an angle lock ankle lock angle lock i guess their yeah. uh, angle keeps going back to that ankle lock uh, which i think is such a good move for him honestly it lets the camera get right in the face of his opponent and, uh, where they can sell like crazy and then he can crank down and do his own facials and stuff um, there's one where he has it on lesnar and lesnar sort of like bodily drags angle <laughs> to grab the ropes um which is really cool. There's a lot of amazing suplexes and feats of strength in this match with each other. There's Mm -hmm. some amazing German suplexes. Angle does this release German suplex on Brock that leads Mm -hmm. to Brock taking a a front bump. Um, He completely flips him in the air. That's pretty spectacular. (laughs) Brock Lesnar is a huge man. 
and Brock like reverses an angle yeah. slam into a weird roll up pin. Yeah, that, that was like the first false wow. finish in this match isn't until 15 minutes in. These these guys yeah. put on a this hell of great. a show. Actually, I kind of stopped um, taking notes on sort of the back and forth and all the particular moves, um, except for one you know near the end, and we'll talk about here in a second. Yeah. Um, but it's it is 21 minutes long, but it could have been another 10 minutes easily. I think you know I could have watched these guys all day. Taz points out too that, and I agree with him that. Yeah. They keep this match in the ring the entire time, pretty much. They are doing moves, they are working each other, and they're keeping it straight and legitimate the entire time, which is really refreshing compared to the <laughs> Hogan-McMahon match. Or even the Rock and Stone Cold, where they're like working dirty, but the yeah. ref isn't doing anything And it's absolutely the right move to keep this inside the ring. I mean, it would be supremely stupid to take this out and, you know, start throwing chairs at people or whatever. And if you have, again, you have this yeah. kind of talent, you have these sort of actual skills, um, let them have an honest-to-God wrestling match in the ring. This match also gives the top reason why I hate Michael Cole. And this is a quote from <laughs> Michael Cole during this match. All right, let's hear it. I don't want to harp on it. But these two are the most decorated athletes in the WWE. That was the fifth time he had said it. <laughs> well, but he doesn't want to harp on it, though. But he doesn't want to harp on it. I don't know mm. if he thinks that that means he legitimately gets a real harp out and plays the <laughs> harp while saying it. He's, he doesn't really understand figures of speech. But he, um. You're harping on it, Michael Cole. You're harping on it. <laughs> it's too late. At this point in time, too, when I... When I was watching this in 2003, I really loved Brock Lesnar. He was he was my favorite guy at this time. Mm -hmm. And um, I still kind of do actually love Brock Lesnar. But the real pity is that no one in WWE really can shoot wrestle with him like Kurt Angle yeah. does. I feel like that that's part of the reason why Brock had like the the falling out of from wrestling. Not Yeah, I know that he didn't like the traveling and the grueling schedule and stuff uh, to the point where they gave him like a private jet and stuff. Uh, so that he could he could get around a bit better, but I feel like he also wanted to go go try MMA because he's going to find other people that can that can actually shoot with him, right? Um, there so he can and actually work with Kurt Angle. Pretty much in WWE is the only one at this time that can. Yeah, and we um we've talked a little bit before about Bobby Lashley, you know, and sort of on the current roster, who's probably the only guy who can sort of match up with him that way now. But he's also like massive enough that. It's going to be like the two giants colliding sort of thing, you know, not not right. the not the shooting back and forth. So. Right. Like Brock Lesnar is kind of like a throwback to the days of 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 um, Bob Backlund and the Iron mm -hmm. Sheik being real legitimate wrestlers and going into the professional wrestling business. Yeah. So unfortunately, there's kind of a rough ending to this one. Um, Lesnar sort of famously gets up on the top ropes and goes for this shooting star splash thing and lands directly on his fucking head. Um, he manages to get Angle up into one more F5 to get the win, but he looks really out of it. I think he, you know, I don't remember exactly what, you know, if he was actually concussed or he broke anything there, but it was, it's a rough watch. Yeah. I think he, he, it was just, he just ended up with a neck stinger. Um, but this is pretty much the biggest botch in WrestleMania history that happens at the end of the show. And it's kind of fitting to how the show was going. <laughs> like the show doesn't have much, much entertainment value in my opinion to it. And then suddenly you get to a real match and they're having a hell of a match, a match for the ages. Mm -hmm. And then Brock lands on his head and they yeah. have to do a weird finish to try and, and, 
and get out of it. Yeah, it's un- it's unfortunate, and you can tell they're sort of like, well, time to wrap it up. You know, that was not good. So right. he kind of is sort is very looking very dazed, kind of crawls over and finishes well, I, it up. So. I think the shooting star press was supposed to be the finish to the match. No, and but not um, like that. <laughs> but it, but it couldn't after after that. Um, yeah. And then again, this is where I don't like Michael Cole again. Michael Cole says Angle rolled away, and that's why Brock missed. And it's like Angle didn't move. No, <laughs> it's very clear that Angle didn't move. Angle was just too far away, mm-hmm. and Brock fell short and landed on his head. That's that's what happened. If Angle had been two feet closer to the corner, Brock would have landed it. And I'm not saying that it's Angle's fault. I'm just saying Michael Cole stopped gaslighting me. <laughs> I saw what I saw. God I damn it. saw Kurt Angle laying there and Brock Lesnar landing on his head. Not because yeah. Angle moved. And when and Brock Lesnar had done this move um, before. This wasn't like, oh, he's just wilding out at WrestleMania because it's a big time. You know, he had done no. this move many times. And he said, I watched it was the uh, Ruthless Aggression documentary, I think. And he talks about it at length. Um, he said, you know, I just I just didn't get it. You know, I just didn't get the right push off or angle was a little too far away. You know, shit happens, right? Like, so it's again, it's unfortunate. We just saw Lance Archer do something very similar. Right. Lance Archer a, does pretty much the exact same thing. Yeah. On an episode of AEW, tries the thing off the top rope, lands directly on his head. They actually had to wrap that match up early, too. Uh, he missed some time. I don't know if it was related to that or not, but it was, it's not good. I don't like no. seeing that sort of thing. It's really a shame to end a classic match. This was possibly one of the top 10 matches. And it has to end with a botch and a painful landing and then a rushed improvised finish to get them out of there. So that gets us to the end of the show. Would you say that Lesnar's versus Angle is your best match for this one? Yes, this is definitely the best match of the night. Um, there There was just like a back and forth, a true showing. Each person showed what they could do and they allowed the other person to show what they could do. Uh, without being too ridiculous. It didn't become a finisher marathon with a bunch of false finishes like the Rock and Stone Cold did. Um, these two guys brought their A game the entire time. And even though Brock had that horrible landing, I it's still commendable that he tried it. And you could yeah. see how excited the crowd was that he was going for it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Except for the, the old man that was in the front row that had his jacket on the entire time <laughs> he's and, ready to go man right everybody's standing up and cheering and he's just standing there with his arms crossed and like all i could think about was like those progressive insurance commercials yeah. where like you don't <laughs> want to become your parents and that's him right, right there in the front row like he's let's just thinking not talk about the about, parking lot yeah let's not talk about leaving before we even get started <laughs> So I have to admit that's me as the older I get, that's me at any live event, like basketball games, like third quarter, I'm end of the third quarter. I'm done. Yeah. I'm thinking about leaving. I'm just like, Oh, my garage is going to be horrible. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's going to take an hour anyway. Yeah. So that would, that one was my favorite match too, without a doubt. It's far and away the best like in ring stuff that we uh, saw this time around Booker T and triple H was probably my runner up if I was going to pick one. Yeah. Um, again, just sort of for the in-ring work, um, even though didn't disagree with the finish. Did you have a worst match for this one? Uh, yeah. So I flagged the undertaker versus big show and a train as the worst match. Ugh, me too. Um, I didn't care about the match. They did nothing during that match to make me care about it. 
I don't know if part of it was just me being spoiled that I know the Undertaker's going to win, that this isn't the end of the streak, but I don't know. I just, it was, it was bad booking for the Undertaker, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not good. And there's no drama here either, because you also know, like at the time, you know, even, you know, in retrospect, we know how long the streak goes, but even at the time, he's not going to lose to these two clowns, you know? So there's no real, there's no drama. There's no drama, no suspense. So that was, that was bad. Also, I had to look at Albert's hairy self the whole time, and I wasn't into that at all. <laughs> what was your uh, oh shit moment for this one i mean that's brock landing on his head like yeah. oh god like i'd still the moment that i saw that wrestlemania 19 was our next one i knew that it was oh yeah that one uh, <laughs> yeah like that's the one that stands out from this show and <laughs> um that's the that's the big moment and it's i feel for him yeah a bad way to get to wrap it up so i said oh shit but not in a good way when i realized we were gonna have to watch limp biscuit not once but twice <laughs> during this show that was that was not welcome was not appreciated um still mad about having to google those lyrics so all right what about your overall rating all right so my overall rating i'm giving it a three okay and it's because brock and kurt save what was otherwise a really bland card. Now, Brock and Kurt also lose a few points because the last live shot of WrestleMania is Angle and Brock hugging, breaking kayfabe. Mm. Um, as I said at the end of Austin and, and The Rock, I don't like that. Um, yeah. I kind of understand why Angle's hugging Brock. He's making sure that the dude's not <laughs> paralyzed and and not like and is able to talk. Can you um, feel? Can you feel this? Can you yeah. feel this? Like how many fingers any, am I holding up? You mean numbness um, or tingling? But like we've seen The Rock and Stone Cold wrestle before. This match happened out of Stone Cold's request. Stone Cold mm-hmm. wanted The Rock to be his last opponent. But The Rock doesn't look like he has his heart in it. And that's bad. The music is horrible. The music is really bad. The Undertaker had an amazing match at WrestleMania 18. But now he's he's got a mid... This match was the caliber of a mid-card SmackDown episode. Like, you wouldn't even end an episode of SmackDown with this match, let alone put it on the WrestleMania card, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Chris Jericho and Sean was okay. You could see Jericho waiting for Sean a lot during that match. Because Sean just didn't have the speed anymore. Um, I didn't like how Booker T and Triple H ended. It was a great match. I just didn't like how it ended. McMahon versus Hogan was unnecessary and poorly put together. And I would honestly tell anyone if they wanted to watch this WrestleMania to fast forward for three hours <laughs> to get to the Brock and angle and then and turn it off right when right Brock climbs up and the then, rope <laughs> and then turn it off when you see Brock climbing the ropes. Yeah. And like despite WWE returning uh, WrestleMania to the massive stadiums like they did in WrestleMania 3 and WrestleMania 8, the card isn't special. No. I really blame that on them doing like 10 to 12 pay-per-views a year at this point. There you can't you can't build heat, you can't build tension between storylines if everything if like every 3 weeks there's a pay-per-view. Right. Like it, it just it loses its specialness no matter what you do. You you can you could put WrestleMania in the Roman Coliseum <laughs> and like sell it. But if you're doing 
11 other shows during the year that are on the same caliber of storytelling no one's going to give a shit yeah there's definitely a lot of like you said dilution of the brand going on here and like you said everything gets blown off you know every three weeks every four weeks so there's no these long-running programs like we've seen in the past that actually have really great payoffs you know so i think i was going back and forth between a 2.5 and a 3 and maybe i'll just go with a 3 um, so we don't have to fight about it. But I think, you know, I agree with everything you said. The Some of the undercard here is better than I expected it to be. That, like you said, the Sean versus Jericho match, the women's match even, the team angle with Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero versus the triple threat match. That one was actually really solid. I like that one a lot. And, of course, that Booker T match that we talked about. So I don't know. It was, I think the things that bring it down for me are the Hogan versus Vince McMahon match, which was dumb. The lackluster Rocket Stone Cold. I think sort of the rampant sexism and the TNA parts with the Miller Lite whatever girls is, is just so gross and long and annoying. And the music is terrible. And yeah, I think that's it. I think I'm going with a three for this one as well. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And, like, the women's match was good. It was. And the triple threat tag match was good. But, again, it's overbooked, and it's and it's fogging things up. So, yeah, agreed. Um, we could, you could have done something in the story to somehow, like, just have it Eddie Guerrero and Chavo versus Team Angle. Or, you know. Yeah. Or just have them have a match against Chris Benoit and Rhino. Like, yeah. It didn't need to be a tag championship match because, honestly, Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas were incredibly bland in that match. And I think that's part of their gimmick is that they're bland. They're very, very bland. They're technically skilled, just like Kurt Angle, but they're bland. And that's kind of what, like, Kurt Angle's story has always been, that he's bland. He's like, rivalry with Stone Cold. Stone Cold would attack with the beer truck. Kurt Angle comes back with a milk truck. Right. <laughs> um, so I understand it, but it's still, there was this something during this entire WrestleMania that wasn't holding my attention. It's really, I think what it really is, is that the, the brands are split. There's too much talent. They're trying to do too much in mm-hmm. a show. And then they're also doing too many pay-per-views. So nothing really builds tension. So you didn't have the blow off of Hogan versus Macho Man after of like a three year friendship and tag team. And then like a falling out for a year because Hogan keeps making weird passes at Elizabeth. <laughs> right. right? Uh, you don't have the Macho Man versus George the Animal Steel tension building where like George Steel was running off with Elizabeth for like a year and a half. Yeah. So, I mean, back then you could argue that those stories were a bit too drawn out but they also had a different size audience those stories too i think were a continuation of some of the territory things right where you'd put two guys together and they'd be in a program together for you know a year easily right and they travel around different territories doing basically the same show um for an all-new crowd each night you know so somewhere along the line that sort of dynamic and that model shifts to real oh realizing oh this is a television show um and people need a quicker payoff you know we're not going to be able to just show the same thing um and hope that you know the people in the crowd haven't already seen it so we're going to have to kind of assume that they've seen it because it's been on national tv at this point yeah but i would argue that they didn't need that like they were doing fine when it was just (laughs) wrestlemania SummerSlam, yeah survivor series and royal rumble that's that's plenty right that's four a year and they were they were excellent shows they got you excited to watch yeah and you knew that 
there would be a legitimate possibility of the championship turning over. You didn't know if someone might come down and interfere and take the story in a whole new direction yeah. or something like that. You don't have that anymore just because it's like, oh, well, it's three Rawls and then a pay-per-view. Right. And I would say uh, we are here at the end of February of 2022. So for this year already, we've uh, had to sit through three pay-per-views. There was the day one on New Year's Day for WWE. There was the Royal Rumble, of course. And then there was the Elimination Chamber just a week or two ago. Um, And, you know, I can tell you that's way too many. Right. And it looked like that they were actually trying to start to scale them back. And then suddenly they come out with a ton of them this year. And 2003 is about the time that like my taste starts waning in WWE a little bit, just because it's too many pay-per-views and like they're charging full price for these pay-per-views too at this point. So it's like, it's three rolls and then you got to pay $30 to watch (laughs) the pay-per-view. And then it's three more rolls and then it's another thirty dollars for a pay-per-view and it's just it's too much i i stopped ordering the pay-per-views i started missing things in the storylines just kind of fell out i think it's sort of a change in business model too right as opposed to trying to go out and make new fans they're trying to pump as much money out of they can as the existing fans you know and that's sort of monetizing every single part uh, along the way so anyway lots of changes Uh, i think you're right this actually sort of sort of does mark a shift um, and, you know, the brand split and the proliferation of talent uh, that I think gets us directly to the two night WrestleMania that we've seen or that we will see here in a few weeks. As we do on every event review episode, we like to end by paying tribute to the men and women from that event who are no longer with us. For this episode, that list is Chris Benoit, Howard Finkel, Eddie Guerrero and Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Again, thanks very much for listening. You can find us on all the WrestleManias.podbean.com. That's the home for our podcast. We also have the all the WrestleManias.wordpress.com, which is the original blog. Um, you can drop us comments at any of those locations. You can send us an email at WrestleManiaBlog at gmail.com. You can tweet at us on Twitter at WrestleManiaPod. We're very excited and happy to have your feedback. And thanks again for listening. Thank you.